Lord, I'm amazed by you. Lord, I'm amazed by you. How you love me. All right, guys, we are going to be in 1 John 4. I know this is a surprise. We're still in 1 John. We're going to be finishing it up probably in the next uh, four to six weeks. And so we're in 1 John chapter 4. If you have a Bible, cool, you can turn there. If you don't, it'll be behind me. But I'm going to go ahead and read the scripture, and let's get into this, all right? 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7 through 12, okay? It goes as follows. Beloved. Let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world. Think about that for a second. His love for us was manifested in this way, that he sent his Son. Every... A vessel of God's love was disposed and placed upon this earth in his son. And that's why when Hebrews says he's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, it's talking about the father above all sent his son for us. The same thing I was hinting at in my prayer a second ago. So that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Now, I know that um, this thing keeps making me feel short. I know that, uh, don't give me that look, Mason. I know that we have been kind of hitting on this same theme over and over again in 1 John. And that's why John's kind of known as the apostle of love. He, he refers to this theme a lot in, um, in, his, in this book, 1 John. Uh, 1, 2, and 3 John, he, he refers to this same theme a lot. But I think this repetitive theme, if we are hearing and, 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 and being attentive can play a serious note in our life that it could change the way that we perceive God's love towards us. It can and hopefully help us understand the great magnitude of God's love towards us that he's shown, specifically mentioned in this verse, that has been manifested through the Son, right? That great love he's shown towards us. But then there's another part of that, friends, that I'm hoping you're picking up in this theme, is that, yes, he's shown a great love towards us, but it's so that we can then take that love and show it towards others. That, that, that is one of the beautiful things about the love of God that's made manifest through the Son, Jesus Christ, is that it does something to us. Right? Like, if, if, if I come in contact with this person whom we call God and nothing changes about me, there's something that's wrong there. Either he's not who he says he is, or I'm not taking him for who he says he is. So one of the two things might be happening in our life. I'm not taking him seriously. And it's causing me to not be changed. But, there's a good but there. If we can get a real picture of God's love displayed towards us through his son Jesus, friends, let me tell you, it will it can't, you can't help but have your life changed by that true, genuine, 
interaction with Jesus Christ. That's what's so special about coming together and and worshiping him is because it says in the Bible that when we gather together in his name, he is there. Friends, I am not, I'm way away from what I want to talk about, but I'm I'm not foolish enough to, to think that you guys don't go through hard times, that you don't struggle with anxiety or depression, that you don't struggle with loneliness and hurt. But friends, friends, if you could just get this, if you are struggling with those things and you come with a, a, a heart that's set on seeking Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, he will be the answer to get you through those problems. Now, I uh, want to start off by talking about this story, and I, um, I've kind of s- titled our, our sermon tonight, uh, and a love is alien, an alien love. Now, obviously, you probably know where I'm going with this first illustration, but it's to get to a point, so don't take me too serious right now. Now, there's a lot of conversation going around about aliens, right? Even if Brother Davey mentions it on a Sunday morning, you know it's a lot of conversation going around about aliens, which, if you were not there, he did. And um, and so there's a lot of this conversation going around about UFOs and aliens and and there's this guy who was a pilot in the Air Force that saw these, these things that they call the Tic Tac where it's just bouncing around and they don't really know what it is. And then you hear this other guy that he's either like crazy, crazy, uh, but he talks about the things that he's seen and worked on. And, and it's just this weird thing. He talks about this element he calls Element 115. And he starts explaining like it's some like anti-gravity propulsion system. And it's outside of my understanding and mind's ability to comprehend, right? But what we're getting at when we say that it is an alien, what we're saying is it's something outside of our understanding. It's something outside of us, human beings. It's maybe we're calling from another dimension or another planet. And I don't know whether that stuff's real or not, but what I do know is there's something that we are talking about here in this text that is alien to us. It's, it's this love that he's talking about all throughout this book. It's alien to our understanding. We're not able to comprehend. We're not able to, to grasp. We're not able to walk in it apart from his working in our life. It's alien to us as human beings, friends. Look, a love that's natural to us is a love that is not portrayed here in this text. A love that's natural to human beings is a love that's not portrayed here in this text. And that's the first thing I want to talk about, is, is a love that's natural to us. Because if, if, if I'm going to try to teach you what, what the Apostle John is talking about here, about a love that, that, is, that is great, a love that if you show it to your other brothers, it is an example of the love that Christ has shown to you, this great, magnificent love that we're talking about, then we've got to talk about and understand what we comprehend as love to be false. Not right. A love that is natural to us, friends, is a love that's anti-biblical. It's not according to the word. You might even go so far as it's defective. Now, I know we've all probably experienced and been in situations where this defective love has been shown towards us. And if we're honest with each other, we've been in situations where we've shown defective love towards other people. But then, friends... I'm not trying to to pardon you of that, but it's only natural. 
the, the natural inclination of man is not good, righteous, biblical love. The, 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 the natural inclination of man and woman, what I mean by that, I mean human beings, is a love that is self-centered and about me. And this is why the doctrine of, of original sin plays an important part in us understanding this. We were at a men's meeting last night, and, and the guy said something along the lines of that the doctrine of original sin helps us to see the Bible for what it really is. It, it, it really highlights all the other doctrines in the Bible, and we see that the problem with our natural way of loving others is a problem with our heart. It's a problem with who we are on the inside, friends. So when I say the doctrine of original sin, what I'm referring to is, is that, look, friends, no one taught you, your little sister, your little brother, anybody that you know who's been a little crazy in the house, nobody taught them to be that way. They were just that way, right? No one taught me to hit my, head, hit my brother in the head with a bat when I was like three years old. I was just a little scallywag, right? I was just a bad kid. But the reality is, friends, is that we're all born into a world with a corrupt, infected heart. The Bible would go so far in the the theological term would say that our heart is depraved. That's why, friends, we need a new heart. That's why, friends, our heart, like the Psalms say, we, he took my heart of stone and made it to a heart of flesh. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, no, a man must be born again, because when he was originally born, he was born with original sin. So where am I getting at this? Let's read Genesis 6-5. It's not going to be behind me, but you can write it down and look at it later. Genesis 6-5 says, The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Sheesh. Let me read that again. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This is all the way back to the beginning. The, the, the doctrine of original sin, which that's why the Bible tells us that so sin entered the world through one man. Now all men have sinned through that one man's sin. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Adam and Eve at the beginning, friends. Ever since the beginning, there has been a corrupt heart after Adam and Eve turned and rebelled against the holy God. And we we're born into that. That's why Jesus came preaching that we must be born again, that we must be healed from that blemish that stain that mark of sin in our lives friends that we must be healed from it mark 7 21 through 23 says this for from within hmm, out of the heart of man so i think he's being very specific here he says from within out of the heart of man come evil thoughts sexual immorality theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile the person. So what is the author of that gospel saying? He's quoting Jesus there. He's saying, at the core of every man is corruption. And women, I'm talking about you too. I'm talking about human beings. (laughs) At the core of every man 
is corruption. And like the guy said last night, and I'm going to kind of take it from him if I can remember it correctly. The, the doctrine of original sin doesn't mean that we are as, as bad as we can be, right? Yeah, like I could be a worse person, I guess, if you want to do that. But it means I'm as bad off as I possibly could be. Why? Because I'm separated from a holy God because of this stain on my life, because of this sin that I've inherited. You, you were just born into it. And I know this is probably like, this is not that encouraging. I'm going to get there. I promise you. Because the, the Bible teaches from the beginning. <laughs> the Bible teaches us that, yeah, like the, 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 the serpent will strike his heel, but he will crush his head. What's it saying? It's, it's, it's looking forward to the one that was to come and that would destroy all the works of the evil one. That is Jesus Christ. So there is a way out. There is hope. But friends, a love that comes from God, a love that we see that we're told and commanded to walk in, if we are in fact Christians, is a love that's alien to us. I need to be taught it. I, I, need, to, I need to really be taught this thing. I need to, I have this, this dirty, corrupt heart of mine cleansed, and then I need to be taught in the way of righteousness. I need to grow in grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm quoting scripture here because this is all coming together. So what are some of the things that we see in this heart that is corrupt, in this natural way that we love people? We love people very selfishly. Anybody in here ever been selfish? Am I preaching to myself? I know I'm preaching to myself, but I hope I'm preaching to y'all too. (laughs) Yes, the heart of the natural man is to love selfishly. And you might think, how does that make sense? That is the heart of man. It's what can I do to benefit me? And we use all other different ways to do that, specifically manipulation. Well, if you loved me, then this would happen. Anybody ever heard that? If you loved me, then we would go here. Look, friends, a love that is out of the natural heart that a love that is not biblical is a love that seeks itself more than others. And friends, let me tell you, if you're in a relationship like that, if you're in a relationship where the person is self-seeking rather than serving, then that relationship is going nowhere. So manipulation, arrogance, which is another form of pridefulness where, where, where we just worry about oneself. Do you see the theme here? the theme of a natural man apart from Christ is how can I benefit me? How can I benefit me? How can I have these relationships but still the benefit be me? And we use manipulative natures for that. We're arrogant. We're victimizing. We we just always want to blame other people rather than to accept the fault in ourselves. Look, hey, friends, I hope this is not uh, condemning or shameful because I'm preaching to myself in this, but we need to know the natural way of man, so I need to know where I'm laying at or where I'm going, right? Am, am, I, am I on this side of the camp or am I on this side of the camp? Well, if I'm using manipulation and arrogance and, and selfishness in my ways of loving other people, then maybe, just maybe, I haven't heard of this corrupt heart that I have, and I haven't heard of the healer who's there to fix it. Toxicity, passive aggression, all these things, friends, 
make up ways in which the natural heart of man seeks to show love. And the fact that we call it that anyway is so crazy because <laughs> it's not love at all. The beauty, the beauty uh, of a life in Christ, one of, the, one of the benefits of a life in Christ is that we have a good example of how we are to treat others and how we are to be expected to be treated. But the heart of a natural man seeks neither of those. Human beings in their natural state will always work towards the goal of selfish ambition and the betterment of oneself rather than the service of another. So, this alien love that I'm talking about, like, where does it come from? You know, obviously we're not talking about green Martians and stuff like that. We're talking about something that's outside of ourself. So, the world would tell you, you know, to think deeply about yourself. The world might tell you that, that if you want to see change in your life, you need to really just pull your bootstraps up and, and walk it out. The world might tell you that, that, that really the change happens when you start thinking differently about yourself within yourself. And those things are kind of half-truths. There's some truths in some of those. But the reality is, friends, is that the love that we're talking about that is alien doesn't come from within. It comes from above, which is my second point. It, it, it's not from within. It's from above. It comes from Jesus Christ. That's why the text tells us it was manifested through Jesus. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves his loves has been born of God and knows God. I love that it says that, whoever loves, because there's only one real definition of love. There's not this multiple faceted definition of love that we want to cling to and think is real. Friends, there's one definition of love. That's why it says whoever really loves, this is an evidence that they are from God, that they know Jesus Christ. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Friends, the love that we are commanded to have for God and for each other cannot and will not ever come from within it always comes from above if i try hard if i think deep if i if i read all these self-help books it will never change the problem with me which is with my heart i need to be changed it means that i cannot be who i've been made to be unless the god who gives me the God who gives me the power to be who he wants me to be. So I can't be who God's created me to be unless I'm channeling and in line with who he is. Then I have the ability and the power to be who he's created me to be. So what does that say? That says that the power to love like Christ has called us to love is not from within but from above. It's from him. It's from him. Psalms 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart. Renew right spirit within me first john 4 19 we love because he loved us john 13 34 a new commandment i give to you that you love one another why just as i have loved you you also are to love one another so where are we getting at here we're getting at the fact that friends this love that we are called to show and the, this love that we're called to expect is a love that comes not from within who we are, but it comes from above. It comes from God. 
It comes from God. The third point I want to make and the last point I want to make is about this alien love, this love that comes from God. What is it characterized as? What it, does it look like? What, what can we expect out of it? 1 John 4, 9 and 10 says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that he might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Friends, this is a love that does not come from us. This is a love that comes from God alone. And, and thanks be to God that he, he bestows this understanding to us, that he gives us this love. That, that we go back to that first point I made about the problem with us is, is, is within, friends. It's our hearts. That's why we read that 51st Psalm where he says, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew me, Lord. What we're referring to and what Jesus is saying when he says you must be born again is that you have this corrupt nature that you were born into, but Jesus has paid a price to heal you and cleanse you and redeem you of that broken nature. That's why in Romans where it says that sin entered the world through one man, Therefore, through all men have sinned because of that one man's sin, but <laughs> the goodness of that scripture, but through one man came salvation. And his name's Jesus Christ. And through that one man came salvation. Therefore, all men who have faith in Jesus Christ receive salvation, reconciliation redemption of the broken heart a renewal of an understanding of what real biblical love is and how i can go about giving that and receiving that but it all hinges on the reality that we have a problem and it's not other people it's us but the solution to that problem is jesus christ and we might look for it in everything else in sports extracurricular activities, boys, girls. But the salvation that our soul desires will never be found in another human being, but will always be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. So what can we see in this love that's characterized, this love that is considered an alien love, it's out of this world, it's, it's not part of who I am, it's, it's, it's bestowed upon me, it's given to me. I didn't receive it because I deserve it, I receive it because he gave it to me because he's good. So what does this look like? It looks like this, it looks like it's others first. I, I love this text in 1 John 4, 9 and 10, he, he says that he sent his son to serve as a propitiation for our sins. Look, friends, if you don't get that, that is a tone of sacrifice. That's why when the Bible talks about the love in which Christ has for us, it's always, always, always agape. A love that sacrifices. A, a love that gives. A love that puts others before themselves. You see the the paradigm shift between the first point and this point? Love that is of the natural man, I hate to even call it love, is always built on the theme of me, of what I can get out of this. But a love that's built 
on the truth of Scripture is always about what you can do and offer to others. It's a love that is indiscriminate. I love this. We all know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What? That whosoever should believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Second Peter 3.9. He, he, the Bible tells us that he doesn't want none to perish but all to have everlasting life. Look, friends, a love that is characterized biblically by the love in which God has bestowed upon us through his son, Jesus Christ, that's made manifest through the son, Jesus Christ, is a love that is indiscriminate. It isn't characterized by what a person can give to you, what they look like, what socioeconomic class they come from, or what ethnicity they were born into. It's a love that looks at the heart and sees, oh, this person was made in the image of God. Therefore, I'm going to show them the love that God's called me to show them. That's why when we do such a wonderful thing and go on that mission trip every summer, we really, really let the students understand and perceive the realities of indiscriminate, unheld love to people that we oftentimes might not want to even look at but yet we start to see them for who they really are. That every person that breathes oxygen on this earth, if we believe what Scripture says, is made in God's image. Therefore, we should love them indiscriminately. It's a love that's gentle. I love this. It's a love that's gentle. This is the text in Matthew where, where, where Jesus is speaking. He says, hey, I, I, I take my yoke upon you. It's light. It's easy to bear. Give me this burden that you have and take this yoke upon you that's light. Look, friends, one of the loves that we see that's characterized by Jesus Christ that we are told that we ought to go and show to others. As a matter of fact, the scripture that we read tonight tells us that we know that a person is of God by the way in which they love other people is a love that's gentle. That's why I get so fired up when people come in guns a-blazing and scare people away from the church rather than bring them in with open arms. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't talk truth. I mean, I've already I've told you that your heart's corrupt tonight. I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> but there's a way I'm going about doing it that's Christ-like, and it's a way that's gentle. It's a way that's caring. It's a way that's indiscriminate. It's a way that's sacrificial. It's a way that's forgiving. I love this in Ephesians. It says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Paul's telling the church in Ephesus, he's saying, look, Jesus Christ has forgiven you of unpardonable sins. He has forgiven you. And every time that, that this illustration is used in the New Testament, when we go and turn our back against him, it's as, as if we were putting the nails into his wrist. And yet he looked upon us and offers forgiveness. Yet we withhold it. We should look at this next text then if we want to withhold it. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. The essence of the text is if you, for, if you, if you forgive others, your God in heaven will forgive you. But if you don't forgive others then your God in heaven will not forgive you. That's a strong text, friends. <laughs> but it should show you the, the serious nature 
that God puts on the love for other people through characterization of forgiveness. And lastly, it's compassionate. It's compassionate. Psalm 86 says, But you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. So this love that, that there's many more characterizations that we could give about biblical love. And I just don't have the time to do that. But it is a love that's sacrificial, friends. It's a love that's indiscriminate, meaning we don't discriminate whom we show that love towards regarding what they look like, act like, what they come from, what school they go to, or any type of variable. It's a love that's gentle and seeks to, to care for the soul of another person. It's a love that's forgiving. Even when they may not deserve it. It's a love that's forgiving. Friends, I, I, I don't know if you've wrestled with this reality, but you were not deserving of the forgiveness Christ showed you. Well, you say it this way. We, <laughs> we were not deserving of the forgiveness that Christ showed us. Yeah, but he bestowed it upon us. Let's use a different language. He lavished it upon us. He clothed us in it. It's a love that's compassionate. Look, friends, there is uh, some exclusivity with the gospel, obviously, because it's not exclusive in, in regards to its ability, right? It has the ability and power to save all. That's why the Bible tells us that he don't want any to perish, but all to have everlasting life. But the reality is, is that it is exclusive in its application because not everybody will walk the narrow road. Not everybody will walk with Christ. Some people will taste and see that Jesus is good and then choose to walk away from him. But we, we are shown and called to express the love of God through our actions and words in a way that's gentle and compassionate and indiscriminate and sacrificial. Look, friends, we, we are called to go and tell others about this great Savior that we have. And it's not through pulpits and microphones. It's through conversations with people that you're in the hallways with. This is way away from what we're talking about, but when's the last time you talked to somebody about Jesus? And why? I know this is kind of a different sermon. <laughs> Is it you're nervous? Is it he just really doesn't mean that much to you at this moment in your life? Is it peer pressure from people around you? Whatever it is, you need to wrestle with it. Because before, if you were a Christian, before any call in your life to be a nurse, a mother, a whatever you're planning to be, when an engineer... Your call is to make disciples. And how can I make disciples of the Lord Jesus if his name is not on my mouth? Look, friends, we should be thankful to God tonight, and I'm about to pray and close this out. We should be thankful to God tonight that he has bestowed upon us a love that is alien to us. <laughs> it's not of our own nature. It's 
unable to be grasped apart from his spirit working in our lives. And we should be so gracious that he still gives that to us. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that, um, that we have students that start to understand the reality of their heart. That by nature, your, by, that your word tells us that by nature we're children of wrath. But Lord, you've came to give us a new nature. You've come to cleanse this broken heart. You've come to heal these wounds that have been shown to me in a love that's not biblical and holy. And so, Lord, my prayer is that we have people in this room tonight that their heart's desire is to be healed from those wounds. Lord, I pray that there's students or leaders in here tonight that would say, you know what, I do have a corrupt heart. And I need it to be healed. I need to be born again. So, Lord, if that is your will and that is somebody in here tonight, I pray that they'll come talk to a leader. I pray that they'll come talk to a leader and that they can offer them some encouragement, some counseling, that there's healing and redemption. And sometimes those things take a long time. But we know that if they come, they come through one person only, and that's Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I, I know this is uh, a different type of sermon, but I pray. I pray, Lord, that it is able to be received and shown so that they might know what is an a unhealthy, unbiblical way of love and what is a really biblical, healthy way of love. Lord, help us to love in a way that you've shown us through your son, Jesus Christ. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Guys, you're